HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit corin.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're diving straight no chaser into the delicious crossover of the food and jazz worlds. And I think that sense of nostalgia is what makes it hard to do New Orleans food well because people just have these memories of these dishes. Certainly people from New Orleans, like, you're never going to make, you know, a gumbo as good as their mother or grandmother made, right? Comfort food, you got to get your hands dirty and the jazz is musicians. It's like it all goes together very well, you know? Check out Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, welcome to Japan Eats. I'm your host, Aki Kotema, a food writer and the director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deeper understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from a studio at Borders in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And this show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every daily supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi ramen izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, so I try to demystify it in this program with my co guests. And my guest today is Alisa Mikiko Di Pasquale. And she is the director of communications at Cushman Concepts, which operates multiple very successful restaurants, including Oya in Boston and New York. The owner, Tim Cushman, joined me on the show on episode 10 and talked about his culinary philosophy and his and his, his wife, amazing wife, Nancy's flagship restaurant, Oya. Alisa first joined Oya in Boston as a host and has built her career successfully since then in a challenging restaurant environment. Also, she was uh, recognized as um, Eater Young Gun in 12, uh, 2013 for her role of effectively leading the sake program at Oya. So today, um, we'll discuss how Alisa developed her career in the restaurant industry, the unique sake program, uh, programs, actually, that she offers uh, at the restaurants, and her eye-opening encounter with Japanese-style hospitality, and much, much more. But quickly before we start, Japanese is available on Heritage Radio Network website as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify and subscribe to Japanese. 
and please write a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Also, if you have any、uh, questions or comments about the show or show guests, please let us know. You can email us at japanese.heritageradionetwork.org or akikotayama.com. Let's、uh, start a conversation with Alisa. Hello. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, your name is called Alisa Mikiko Di <laughs> Pasquale. So,、uh, first of all, what's your background? So, I am half Japanese and half Italian.、Mm. And then your parents,、uh, you said fourth generations on each side? Exactly, yes.、Right. So. But I grew up in Massachusetts in a really small town,、mm. Northboro, Massachusetts. Right. And、uh, what did you eat when you grew up? Um, I spent a lot of time with my Italian grandparents when I was growing up. So, red sauce was a staple, but at home we always had a rice steamer in the kitchen. And my parents had this big jar full of multicolor, multi pattern chopsticks.、Wow. So, you could choose what utensil you wanted to use with dinner. <laughs> And whenever I would get sick when I was little, most kids would have chicken noodle soup. And I had soupy noodles, which my mom would make. Which was miso soup and udon noodles.、Mm, yeah. Wow,、so、I still think it cures everything. <laughs> Even when I'm sick today, I, I can agree more. I eat that. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like、uh, you have the two best meals, I mean, the cuisines of the world. Yeah. On your belt, on the belt, right? I didn't know how lucky I was. Yeah. And am. <laughs> Now you should celebrate. <laughs> But、um, so interestingly, you, are, you picked one of them. So it's Japanese cuisine. As a part of your career. So, you began working at Oya Boston in 2008 as a host.、Correct. So, why did you decide to work at a Japanese restaurant?、Um, there were lots of signs for Oya specifically for me.、Um, Oya had just been named the number one restaurant outside of New York City by Frank Bruni in the、mm-hmm. New York Times. And they were so busy, and it was so remarkable to me that a Japanese restaurant in Boston. Could be nationally recognized for excellence.、Mm-hmm. And so when I arrived for my interview, I found out that Nancy Cushman had worked with some of my former colleagues at a previous job. And I loved that Tim was a musician.、Mm. Um, the way that Tim talks about food and the way he talks about music,、um, it made a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. And secretly, I wore、um, my favorite band's t shirt underneath my blazer to my interview as like <laughs> a good luck charm, hoping that I would get this job. <laughs> that worked out. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Tim has a very interesting background. He, wanted, he, he went to Berkeley. Yeah, he、right? went to Berkeley in Boston. Boston. He's、right. an excellent musician.、Mm. So, but he has two talents music and food. Yes. Right. So, um, so um, the team built a Cushman concept. So、yeah, Tim and Nancy. They、right. built Cushman Concepts.、Um, it's the name of their restaurant group.、Uh, Chef Tim and Nancy are both visionary restaurant owners、mm. and entrepreneurs. Right. They're、um, a really amazing couple. Like, very... Oh my gosh, they're so dynamic. And、mm-hmm. they care about each other so much. And they care about the restaurants so much. And they are really, really wonderfully creative people.、Mm. They, can find, they find inspiration everywhere.、Um, it's really infectious. It's really wonderful to be around.、Right. I think that's. Probably why I worked for them for 11、mm, years. Right.、Um, and the same creativity that they poured into Oya, which will be, I think, 13 in March,、mm. um, they pour into every restaurant. Wow. So,、um, so the, how many restaurants, what, what's the, what are the names of the restaurants? So, right now,、um, today, <laughs> we have an Oya in Boston, New York, and Mexico City.、Mm. We have Covina and Roof at Park South、mm. here in New York. We have Hojoko, Ms. Clux Deluxe Chicken and Dumplings, and Gogoya Crispy Nori Sushi Tacos in Boston. 
and hopefully by the end of this year or this winter we'll have a new restaurant called Bianca mm. which will be just outside Boston in Chestnut Hill right well it sounds like uh, it's like you mostly Italian and Japanese restaurants yeah right? <laughs> <laughs> so okay um, I don't know May you made it that way or I don't know <laughs> no I coincidence think, uh, they're really inspired by um, California cuisine too mm. and sort of uh, LA is such a fabulous amalgamation of all these different cuisines and one inspires another, and having them all in the same place with the best produce in the country is, mm. I think, what inspires them the most. Right. Okay. So, um, so by the way, so of course, you started working at uh, Oya. Yes. And it's the, that's their flagship restaurant. So, what is uh, the concept of Oya? Um, Oya is a contemporary Japanese izakaya. We serve nigiri and sashimi, as well as smaller cooked dishes, alongside a very extensive sake, wine, whiskey, and beer program. Mm. Um, we offer an a la carte menu as well as a couple different omakase options. And the restaurant and the team there focuses on omotenashi and the details of qu- a quality experience without the formality of traditional fine dining. Mm. Um, when the original Oya opened about 13 years ago, it was really a category on its own. Mm. Right. So, um, so you are um, certified sake professional as well and uh you you know you became general manager in moya boston but you are known for great talented sake professionals so how did you get into sake in the first place it was really one of my first nights working at oya where i hadn't quite had this very high-end sake experience and nancy pulled me aside and she asked me after my shift if i had ever tried premium sake before and in my brain, there was like this movie montage scene going on of this <laughs> giant sake bomb of like me and my college friends at like this inexpensive sushi place around the corner from our dormitory. Um, but she poured me a chilled glass of Yukinobosha Junmai Ginjo. Mm. And it was unlike anything I had ever tasted before. It was light and clean and crisp. It tasted like juicy strawberries and bright ripe peaches and there was this anise that lingered on the finish (laughs) and I got all of those flavors and it was wild to me and it was way more subtle than wine and as I later learned totally rocked as a food pairing it was Mm. the best but all of those tiny I like finding all of those tiny subtle flavors in sake and seeing how they sing with food wow so you started from the top (laughs) and so what is um how did you study sake to become that you know well-known professional sure i am um, i was really lucky that i got to study with john gottner um mm, who is I, the the god of sake he for, sure is he <laughs> is the man um yeah everybody almost everybody and um, english speaking i mean non-japanese sake professionals uh taught by him i think Yes, definitely. I don't think it's an exaggeration. So inspiring. And I was really lucky to take my certified sake professional course in New York in 2011. Um, And then I traveled to Japan for his advanced sake professional course in 2013. And that trip really changed my life. Mm, I'd imagine. And especially (laughs) going to Japan to study sake. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so maybe you can talk about that trip if you want to. Yeah, sure, of course. Um, I had this, it was the moment, honestly, it was even the flight over. I was going to talk about the moment I landed at my first dining experience, but they woke me, the 
Japan Airlines flight attendants woke me up in the middle of the flight because they want to make sure that you have a meal、mm. during this experience. And I, they gave me a cup of consomme and this gorgeous anpan. And that was airline food. And I was like, this is the best <laughs> snack I've ever had in my life. And then I landed, and because of jet lag, I was up really early in the morning.、Mm. And so I walked from my hotel to Skiji Market, and it was closed for a Japanese holiday, which I didn't know in advance. And so I took the train to Tokyo Station and found Ramen Street.、Mm. And I waited in this long line because even at 7 30, 8 o'clock in the morning, the line was maybe like 15 to 20 people long. And figured out the ticket system, and I was sitting with quite possibly the most perfect bowl of ramen I've ever had.、Mm. And I was eating it with my chopsticks in my right hand, and I was holding my hair back with my left hand in a ponytail. And this little hand came around my body and offered me this tiny hot pink elastic.、Mm. It's like the woman who had been bussing and serving noticed that I was really kind of. I needed, a, I needed help.、Right. <laughs> I needed a hand.、Wow. And she provided that for me. And we had this nonverbal, oh, I was so, just so thankful for her in that、mm. moment. I actually still have the pink elastic.、Oh, I、wow. keep it as a reminder of like,、right. and you can do to, just a small gesture to change、yeah. someone's experience. And I think it's amazing that it's not a you know, tip system. Yeah,、based. no, not so, at all. Like, she didn't expect anything from you. She was just 100% gracious on her own. Right. Wow. So, and I thought it sounds like it's a really busy restaurant. And、oh, then it was she so paid busy. attention to one customer. It was so busy. And the line only gets longer throughout the day. Like,、mm. that was the shortest I had ever seen that line. Right. So, it sounds like everything starts with you, like the best sake, best ramen, best ampan. <laughs> I'm a lucky person, <laughs> yes, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So,、um, So, you,、um, I heard you designed the opening sake menus with the you know, co owner, Nancy Cushman, for all of your restaurants.、Yes. And I、uh, also heard that you have a unique sake program at the Hojoko. So,、yes. so, first of all, what is Hojoko? So, Hojoko is the love child of Oya.、Um, Hojoko is loud rock, a loud rock and roll izakaya that honors sort of the pulse of Japanese nightlife. And we serve sushi and Robota grilled yakitori and street food small plates. And we've got a craft cocktail program and premium sake that includes、um, cup sake as well as sake on tap.、Mm. And we have wine, beer, and a very long Japanese whiskey list. Right.、Um, so、that's all alongside live music,、mm-hmm. DJs, and karaoke. Right. Okay. <laughs>、um, so the sake on tap, which is really interesting because、yeah. I. Probably, I only had second tap at the Brooklyn Crew. Oh, this is so good. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like, what's the idea, right? I think a traditional sake brewery is like sake has to be perfect, when you're perfected in really carefully bottled sake. And, yes. You know, chilled and temperature controlled, and then before release, it spends a couple months. It's, it's kind of, you know, mind blowing in, in a way. Yeah, the level of detail is. Yeah, so, so where do you get that、um, sake? Like, um, so, the sake that we have on tap at Hojoko is called Bushido. It's,、mm-hmm. a, it's a Ginjo Genshu from Fine Connections.、Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's, it's a Japanese traditional sake brew. Yes, it is.、Mm-hmm. And、um, the English name is Way of the Warrior, which I really love.、Um, it's paying homage to the code and honor and morals developed by Japanese samurai that stresses loyalty, self discipline, and bravery,、mm. which is cool. And the sake is from Kyoto,、okay. um, which is a. 
great prefecture, a great region for sake. Mm, just right, really the delicious. The water is very. The um, water is amazing. Um, but Hojoka was the first restaurant in the country to serve the sake on tap. Mm, so, maybe I'm just not familiar with you know. The sake on top. Is it? Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? The other, like many other breweries. Yeah, or? yeah. It's um, it's tiny kegs. Mm-hmm. It's little kegs. And what I think the keg does for sake specifically is it really preserves the flavor. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if you open a bottle and it sits for a couple of days, the flavor can change a little bit. Right. Where with a keg of sake, you're getting the best first impression mm. every time. Right. So the keg is not like wooden, but it's like a beer keg. Yeah, it looks like a smaller version of a beer keg. Right. Exactly. So it's a vacuum mm-hmm. um, system. And what I love about that too, like from a restaurant perspective, it's very cost efficient, but also it's the best way to sort of convert someone who might be a little bit hesitant about sake because mm. you can pour them like one ounce of sake right. and hand it to them. And because it's comes out of the tap and it's cold and Bushido especially has these like it's got a lot of energy to it it's really Mm. bright and crisp and refreshing and I think that that again that first impression is a lot different than what people are used to Mm. Um, and I think that wins a lot of people over and then they end up ordering a glass Mm. wow so so you have only right now it's one uh, label a Bushido correct yes but I'm really hoping that Mm. maybe someday we'll get Brooklyn Core to Boston. <laughs> right, yeah. But I think um, I'm really curious how many sake breweries in Japan are producing, you know, that keg. I, I really don't know. I um, We'll ask we'll ask Monica Samuels. Oh, okay, we'll, yeah. We'll follow up on that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that's amazing. And uh, the other thing, sake on tap is interesting, but the cup sake, you know, cup sake in, in Japan, but it's like... So first of all, what is cup sake? So cup sake is sake that's served in these little six ounce glass cups that are sealed on the top. Mm-hmm. And they often have really sweet Japanese mascots or pandas or bambies or some kind of painted character on the outside. Mm. Well, um, so that's a new thing. So, um, you know, it's, it's sort of a new thing. It was, I mean, it's a really timely thing. Um, it was invented in 1964 for the Tokyo Olympics mm-hmm. by Ozeki so that people could get sake out of a vending machine and enjoy it while they were going from mm. each of the games. And that was around the same time that the bullet train started to run commercially. Mm. Um, and so they were put into vending machines. And you were telling me the story earlier. Yeah. About <laughs> your first impression so, of yeah, sake. Well, you know, like old time, you know, like, um, well, there's long, like medium long distance train and there's old man. Um, drinking cup sake and his face is red and he's snacking or something <laughs> I don't want to get close to him like it's kind of scary and it's very uh, old you know it's not the, some, something fancy or you want to uh, portable drink. sake <laughs> yeah but I think um, so there's a little boom because I, I I've seen so many beautifully designed almost artistic sa- oh my cup god they're sake. beautiful the, the, the most recent one that we have gotten to Boston is the Amabuki Cup, which has the New York City skyline, which I think is so beautiful. Wow. And the one that's made with strawberry blossom yeast has little baby strawberries in the sky. And wow. it's lovely and it's great. But for me, serving that to a guest or even to a team member for the first time, I think that the characters on the outside of the cup really eliminate any intimidation mm. to kind of traditional sake service which can be a little formal mm. um, and they really identify with you know it's easy it's a smaller portion um, and they end up 
ordering more than one. Right. And you want to cook. And keeping the, the cups. Right. We all like to keep the cups. Right. Yeah, I think it's a completely different identity of sake because sake is old and, um, you know, something like you don't want to have on your table. Now you really want to have it. So, yeah. They're also really good gifts. Mm-hmm. I felt like for years I was giving people... Um, like ceramic sake sets which are so beautiful but you really have to give them the bottle of sake to enjoy with it mm. where now um there's a company called tipsy sake where you can order sake online and deliver to you and they sell cups as well mm. um but i think a sake cup because it's cute and it's a keepsake but it also has the sake inside mm. perfect gift right i don't know how many uh, cups sake are available in the states but I would definitely use it for, you know, holiday presents, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, but let me uh, go back to your trip in 2013 to Japan because I think you've seen a lot of things and I, I'm just really curious what, what, what you did and what kind of things you learned. Sure. I actually um, took a more recent trip. In 2017, I was really lucky to um, travel with the Cushmans and with our culinary director, Hart Lowry, and with, um, and your friend, uh, our chef at Oya Boston, Nathan Gould, to Japan for sort of a research and development culinary trip, which was amazing, Mm. amazing. And then Nancy and I, we left the team in Kyoto and went to Iwakuni to visit Dasai Mm. and to get some hands-on experience at a sake uh, brewery. Right. So uh, for listeners who are familiar with Desai, Desai is one of the, you know, most well-known uh, sake label. Super high quality sake. And, uh, you know, if you just say in New York, if you see any sake list, Desai is most likely there. Oh yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah, so. And so we went and it, they were so welcoming and they really let us go see step by step Mm. the entire process Mm. it was really remarkable i'm forever grateful for that experience Mm. they also hosted probably the best karaoke session of my life (laughs) yeah i didn't expect that i will i will also remember that for forever (laughs) as well um and then after dasai nancy joined the team and they came back and i um, went to Naoshima Island to see mm. the art museums there. I just went there. Oh, isn't mm. it beautiful? It's <laughs> so remarkable. And then I went back to Kyoto and met Monica Samuels, who is being honored as a sake samurai mm. by um, the Japanese government. And then my parents came to join me. Wow. And I took my mom and dad through Kyoto, and then we went back to Tokyo together. But my mother is a really wonderful Japanese brush painter. She's very talented at Japanese mm. brush painting. And she took us to a shop in Kyoto where it was this woman who's been running it for years. And to watch the two of them just talk about the um, level of detail in the brushes, the handmade brushes and the different colored pigments was just remarkable. Mm. And then my dad pointed out in the corner that there was a really old black and white photo of the same woman selling brushes to David Bowie. Oh. <laughs> and we had a great a great giggle at it. Mm. And she noticed, but she didn't she didn't acknowledge it. She was very busy mm. providing excellent service to my mother. Right. Well, I uh, I'm curious that you know you're, you're Japanese but you know fourth generation. So it sounds like you really got the opportunity to actually experience Japan in just throughout oh, the two definitely. trips. And like I will forever be grateful to my experiences with the Cushmans and with 
Um, oh yeah, specifically to really kind of light the fire of studying Japanese cuisine and culture. And um, I love studying Japanese history. I added a little Japanese history lesson to a Japanese whiskey class that I taught last week at Hajoko, just because I find it so fascinating, but also talking about Japanese history at the same time as American history, I think, mm. uh, frames what was happening at that period of time and how remarkable Japanese whiskey can be. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, I hope I never get too dorky for everyone who's listening. No, no, no. It's like... Uh, well, let's, <laughs> let's take a quick break and when we come back, we'll talk, talk about that dorky thing, which I love. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, your, you know, concept of uh, hospitality, you're in charge of as a director of communication. Thank you. Yeah. All right, so please stay with us. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese ship knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan-Asian to American, and that is why they are located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view the exquisitely designed tableware and the wireless natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services, from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit coin.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Japanese Broadcasting Live from a studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm your host, Aki Katema, and my guest today is Arisa Mikiko Di Pasquale, who is the Director of Communications at Cushman Concepts, uh, which operates multiple successful restaurants, including Oya in Boston and in New York. So, uh, so you are, again, the Director of Communications at the Cushman Concept. Yes. So what are your responsibilities? That's a very good question. Um, <laughs> this keeps growing. <laughs> Stephanie Gerken, our VP of Operations, commonly introduces me as the Director of Fun, which I love and appreciate. Um, but Director of Communications is a support role. Um, I have very re- various responsibilities depending on the restaurant's needs. Uh, currently, one of my biggest responsibilities is project managing our newest restaurant opening, which will be Bianco opening this winter. Um, but then I'll put my publicist hat on and execute an opening marketing plan, um, all at the same time as juggling public relations and programming at Oya and Hojoko in Boston. And sometimes I'll help out with various other small things. Mm. Like, right. Yeah. So um, I'm curious how you... You know, you told me about the ramen shop experience yes. of hospitality. And it sounds like you have to love what you do and love your customers and everything. So how do you, what, what was the, the difference that you are kind of almost shocked to have that ramen shop experience, you know, little server gave you rubber for your hair? I feel like when I was in Japan, I just was constantly surprised with the most small gestures of kindness for example 
I asked someone for directions to the train station, and they walked me all the way to the train station. Mm, that's very common to hear. Yes, it is very common to hear there, but I feel like that is so rare to find here. Mm. And at the time when I came back from my 2013 trip, I was still at Oya, and I was so excited to like have the opportunity to take everything from every experience that people were having from a nine to a 10 mm -hmm. and finding the little and really turnkey minute thing that can really be a game changer for mm. the guest. Right. Mm. I remember going to a restaurant where they had the most remarkable array of amenities in the bathroom. I was like, Oh my gosh, anything like if anything happened, imagine if you were like on a first date at this restaurant and something happened, you wouldn't have to worry. Everything was there. Mm. That's why at Oya, if you go use the restroom at Oya in Boston, there's a list of amenities. Wow. So if something, you know, if you get a run in your stocking or you need a safety pin or whatever you need. Wow. We have like that tucked away because we want to, you know, provide that level of experience for someone. Mm. Wow. Every restaurant should have it. <laughs> that's a big draw. <laughs> I've, yeah, that's lovely. Wow. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's really interesting if you go to like, say... Kyoto mm -hmm. uh, Kaiseki restaurant. Mm -hmm. When you leave, the chef and the owner comes out oh, and, they and they bow. Line up Thank you. And they bow. And, and if then, it's raining, they give you umbrellas right. and they wait for your, you know, transportation and. Right. And until the most amazing thing is, they keep bowing, until you disappear. Yes. But they know <laughs> that you don't typically look back, and that's the subtlety. And I think. Uh, what I learned is the difference between um, hospitality and omotenashi, Japanese-style hospitality, is that Japanese-style hospitality doesn't expect any returns. And it's that hidden. This person really enjoyed it. That's the reward. That kind exactly. of, I don't know where it comes from, but I really think that's the, the I biggest. I think the Japanese culture has this incredible respect for their community mm. and for the greater good and that's why acts of kindness are never expected there's never any return expected mm. and i think that is a like base of their culture right and taking care of their community and their family and mm. i think that's where that translates from right well it's a small island so people tend to rely on each other mm -hmm. um out of necessity too but you know like a shintoism buddhism there's always a feeling of gratitude and yes you know it's it's really Nice. And once you have it, that's a part of you, right? Yes. And you feel like, oh, that experience made me happy. I don't know about that, too. That's kind of a nice cycle mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, hopefully I don't forget it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's hard, right? It's a busy subway or it's something it's like... busy and it's snowing. And actually, Kate Gillardi, who's the general manager of Oya in Boston, um, I remember her running into Oya one day and it was freezing and it was snowing and she stopped for a moment and she goes, I must remember this feeling. She had just come off the train, off the T. Mm. She was like, I must remember this feeling of being cold and overwhelmed by my commute because that's how all of our guests are going to feel when they come in the door tonight mm. and we will be receiving them for service right. and we need to treat them mm. in the opposite of whatever, however they've been treated on the train or on the commute on the way here. That's so deep and it's, it's applicable to any situation yes. in a way yeah i'm learning it <laughs> so okay um so the 
how do you apply you know your mindset you know omotenashi on a daily basis at the restaurant it's like you know like the bathroom list of things but it's hard right so so for instance when you have a guest who doesn't have any idea about sake but you know if you apply that omotenashi hospitality with sake specifically i feel as though um We've done a really, all right, rewind. I think that we've done a really excellent job of normalizing things like sushi and chopsticks in、uh, a restaurant setting. I think that we've done a great job at that. But I think sake, for some reason, is still intimidating. And、mm. I think it's because it's not like wine and it's not like beer. And we've been trying to put them into those two buckets, but they don't fit.、Mm. And so I try to really approach sake with anyone. Either with a service team member or for a guest at like the most basic level. Let's just talk about how it tastes. Like, is this delicious to you? Do you feel like you want to drink it?、Mm-hmm. If you don't, what are the reasons why? And let us at the like very simple level find you something that you're going to enjoy for this experience.、Mm-hmm. And then we can figure out why you're enjoying it, right? And then you can carry those reasons with you to find something the next time you enjoy sake.、Mm-hmm. Kind of like a chain reaction,、right. but keeping it really super simple and going from you know, going from a seven to an eight, you know, not from a seven to a ten,、mm. a seven to an eight, because the next time they'll remember that and they'll remember the reasons why they liked whichever sake, whether they like something fruity or something really dry or something aged.、Mm. Um, they'll be sure to order that the next time,、mm. and then hopefully the next person will. Treat it the same way. Right.、Hmm. So it's more about educating people to make them comfortable rather than. Yes. It's about making them comfortable. Right.、Hmm. That's the essence of hospitality.、Well, I, I think so. Right. <laughs> okay. And um, so, um, I mean, you have so many. Are you based in New York now or in Boston? No, I live in Boston. Okay. So. But I love coming to New York. Well, I created a reason for that. Yeah, you did. I'm so thankful. <laughs> I came down yesterday and I was able to see a lot of wonderful friends. Yeah, well, that's great.、Um, thank you for, for your extra trip in the busy season.、So. No, my pleasure. Please. Right.、Um, also, there's something really magical about when it snows in New York. So、hmm. I'm glad I was here today to see it. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little cold, but you know, it's, it's, it's the season. Yeah.、Um, I'm curious, though. So you opened、uh, Oya in Mexico? Yes, we just.、Um, We just opened Oya Mexico in September.、Mm. Yes. So, is it the same concept as in Boston or New York? It's the, same, it's the same concept, but it's a different restaurant space. It、mm. actually has this really beautiful terrace.、Um, it's a glass terrace in the front of the restaurant, which、mm. is so stunning and beautiful. And、um, Japanese food in Mexico City is unbelievable. There's a great little sake bar actually that I like going to when I visit there. Oh, wow. Um, called Le Tajinomides.、Mm. And, um, and the team there is remarkable, and they're going to be using some of the local ingredients to take what the Oya concept is and、mm. um, make it their own a little bit, but you can still get all of the signature items. Right.、Um, I've been to Mexico,、um, you know, spent quite a bit of time, one time, like three weeks, and I was fascinated by people there.、Mm. But how do you apply that omotenashi, like Japanese hospitality? Is it Universal, you can offer it. We have felt nothing but the warmest hospitality, and we were welcomed with such open arms by everybody there.、Mm-hmm. Um, 
it was a really lovely experience. I hope they're listening. Mm. Um, we're really grateful for them. It was a lot of hard work and training and um, the space is really beautiful and we just couldn't be happier. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, I'm curious, how is sake accepted in Mexico right now? So there is a sake brewery in Mexico. Ooh, it's wow. called Nami and it's really, really good. Mm. Um, and I think it's actually north, I want to, it's northwest of Mexico City. I say it's close to Takate, but I could be wrong. But mm. um, but yeah, Nami Sake is wonderful, and um, there's a lot of Japanese restaurants in Mexico City. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, right. I mean, I mean that I'm really discovering how deep Mexican cuisine can be. Real like regional. Oh, absolutely. Right. And really, sake is awesome with it. Mm. Um, one of my favorite pairings that we did. Nancy and Tim did a sake and unexpected food pairings dinner at the James Beard House once, and we served. Um, Miho's uh, Fukuto, mm-hmm. Moon on the Water, with carnitas tacos. And it had a shiso salsa verde on top in cilantro. And the salsa verde and cilantro with the Fukuto was awesome. Mm. It was so delicious. Interesting. I think the little sweetness of sake and also some spiciness goes but, so Yeah, well. there's like a white pepper finish I get on Fukuto. And they just, I don't know. Wow. It was singing together. It was great. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I had that kind of Mexican-Japanese scene. So. <laughs> wow. Well, well, good luck with the, the Mexican yeah, restaurant. Yeah. Next time you're in Mexico City, you should come and visit. Yeah, I, I would love that. Please. I have friends there. so Good. Yeah. Okay. So um, what is your plan? I mean, well, plans for long time, short term right now? Oh, my gosh. Um, I really hope to be able to continue to study sake and teach about it for forever i think um a long-term plan would be to own my own sake bar someday mm, wow yeah that's awesome thank you right in new york or boston or? oh i'm everywhere maybe mm. i don't know <laughs> <laughs> right and um so i'm curious you're such a you know uh, energetic person so what motivates you to go to work every day what motivates me to go to work every day i have to say people um i love people I am at my very core an only child and kind of secretly assume that everybody I meet, there's like potential for them to be like a close as sibling friend. Mm. And I really try to embrace that. And that's just deeply part of my personality. (laughs) And I really love, uh, I love telling stories often. Um, I love telling stories, but I feel like I'm more of a story collector. Mm. Um, I like hearing other people's stories and passing those stories along and making sure that um, we're communicating the really beautiful things that are happening in the world. Mm. So, so people and their stories motivate me every day. Hence, you are the director of the communications. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's amazing. So uh, where can we find you uh, updates online? Um, you can follow me on Instagram. It's mm-hmm. at A-L-Y-S-S-A-M-I-K-I-K-O. So, Alisa Mikiko. Yes. Hi. <laughs> All right. So, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for your trip to New York. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been wonderful. Yeah, I really had a good time. So, please come back. I will. 
So,、uh, so listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics or guests, please contact us at japanese at heritageradionetwork.org or kikokatayama.com. Japanese is live at、uh, 3 pm on Mondays and always available at heritageradionetwork.org, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. Our engineer is Matt Patterson, and thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Japanese is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a non profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thank you for listening. <laughs>